Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now let's dig in. LehighValleyLive.com a media company in Pennsylvania partnered with the Long Crime Network in the network's weeks-long investigation into defendant Brian Koberger's life before the crime in Moscow, Idaho, where Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Kornodal, Ethan Chapin, and Madison Mogan lost their lives. This investigation led a team of reporters to the Poconos Mountains and to a place an hour south of the Koberger family home in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. That place is known as the Lehigh Valley. Koberger spent most of his 20s in the Lehigh Valley, where he attended college after graduating from high school. He studied at both Northampton Community College in Bethlehem Township and at DeSales University in Upper Socon Township. According to an article entitled, Brian Koberger's Life Under the Radar, Walking in the Footsteps of an Alleged Mass Blank, which you can find on the Lehigh Valley Live website, Koberger met a guy named Josh Ferraro while attending DeSales University. Both Koberger and Ferraro were in their 20s at the time. Ferraro described the shock he felt upon learning that Koberger, someone he knew, had been accused of such a brutal act. Ferraro told reporter Steve Novak this, and I quote, At the time, I would have never said, Oh yeah, that guy would do something like this. He may have been a little odd or a little off, but other than that, you'd never expect to be allegedly part of a quadruple homicide, end quote. DeSales University, which the article describes as being down a winding, tree-lined road on the outskirts of the Lehigh Valley, is a private Catholic school with fewer than 5,000 students. Ferraro described it as follows. It's a small school. It's not like a Penn State or a pit or a temple. It's a very small school in a cornfield. So if you go there, you know most of the people within your study and pretty much everyone that goes to the school. And he was not known, end quote. So somehow, Koberger, despite being in this very smallish school setting where everyone knows everyone, was not a part of the crowd. This is likely because Koberger was a commuter. He had to drive an hour from his parents' house to the university each day and then another hour back. During his time at DeSales, Koberger studied psychology for his undergraduate degree. Ferraro describes him as keeping to himself and not showing any outward signs of something more menacing. Ferraro said, and I quote, It's not always the creepy guy with glasses and oily hair creeping around the corner. 
It's sometimes just that average Joe that on the inside, you have no idea what he looks like, but on the outside, he may just seem like a normal person, much like Brian Koberger did, end quote. So it sounds like Koberger didn't interact enough to give off any odd vibes and or he wasn't hanging out in the student union staring uncomfortably at girls while there, as he allegedly did at the University of Idaho. The article states that in 2018, Ferraro teamed up with Koberger for a biology project on Daphnia, which are water fleas, and they worked together for an entire semester. Ferraro describes it like this. He was new, and I said, hey, buddy, do you want to be my lab partner? So I took him in, and it ended up working out very well, end quote. Ferraro graduated with an undergraduate degree in criminal justice, and it makes you wonder if he in any way influenced Koberger in his decision to pursue a master's degree in criminal justice. When he found out about Koberger's arrest, Ferraro said his reaction was, I know this guy. I definitely remember that name from DeSales, but I couldn't paint the face in my mind. I'm like, Brian Koberger, I did a project with him in biology. During their time at DeSales and in the criminal justice program, both Ferraro and Koberger studied under forensic psychologist and DeSales University professor Dr. Catherine Ramsland. And while Ramsland turned down Law and Crime's request for an interview or a comment, months before Koberger's arrest, Ramsland was on the network's podcast, Cop Tales and Cocktails. What a great name. I love it. Ramsland said this on that podcast. Have I come face to face with psychopaths? Absolutely. The coldness, the lack of remorse, definitely. Some people call that evil, but we are finding that it might very well be a brain disorder, the brains of what we call primary psychopaths, who seem to be born with this brain disconnect, are definitely different. It allows them to be better predators, if that's what they choose to be. Not all psychopaths are criminals. Not all psychopaths are blanks. If they choose that, it allows them to be very effective, better because they really don't have any remorse over what they're doing and they really can be very calculated. They tend to be very reward-driven, end quote. By the way, DeSales University has an entire house called the Crime Scene House that is used for simulations, for crime scene investigation, collecting evidence, crime scene photography. No doubt Koberger would have spent some time in that house during his studies. The article goes on to say that, according to forensic psychologist Dr. John Delatour, Koberger can't yet be labeled a psychopath or even a serialist. Dr. Delatour said, and I quote, what actually happened was that he was a mass blank, I can't say that word, Delatour said, 
whoever did this should actually be considered a mass blank. But that doesn't take away from the possibility that they are also a serialist, end quote. So we don't yet know. We may never know. Because it sounds like if Koberger is found guilty, he's not going to have the opportunity to become a serialist if he hasn't already committed another crime. Koberger's old biology partner, Ferraro, believes that he snapped. He said this, I think he's just sick. I think that people online want to make this into a fairy tale and make it grandiose and much more than it is. If he had done this, I think he's a sick individual that finally snapped, end quote. However, Dr. Delator disagrees. He's quoted as saying this, No one just snaps. There can be a straw that breaks the camel's back if we want to continue to use idioms. That certainly can happen. But that person has been dealing with distressing emotions for a very long time, has been unsuccessful in coping with them in a healthy way. End quote. The article then discusses motive, which is something so many of us are wondering about. Both Ferraro and Dr. Delator believe it's going to be hard to pin down a motive. Dr. Ramslin said this about motive on that same Cocktails and Cocktails podcast. Psychopaths have a variety of motives, but their personalities tend to have that rigidity and that inability to go with life's hard knocks and to believe that they're entitled to more and that they need to punish people for them not getting what they think they deserve, end quote. Rigidity, inability to go with life's hard knocks, believing they're entitled to more, and punishing others for not getting it. Interesting. Delator said this, because rejection is such a touchy subject for him, meaning Koberger, it's certainly possible that a buildup over time, a buildup of rejection, could have led to engaging in this kind of behavior. In his mind, it's finally time to set right the world that has gone wrong inside of him. End quote. I have to agree with Delator. My gut is telling me that all the rejection we've heard Koberger was subjected to may have led him to want to punish his rejectors, the pretty women that he felt entitled to date, despite them not finding him appealing. During his time in the Lehigh Valley, Koberger had no run-ins with the law. The article says this, and I quote, Northampton County District Attorney Terry Hook told Law and Crime Network that after Koberger's arrest, Hook's team reviewed area cold cases for a possible link to Koberger. Hook is quoted as saying this, When you have somebody who might have serial attached to their name, you're just going to make a check to see if there's any connection since he had contact with the county. There was none here in Northampton County. End quote. I know we've all been wondering if Koberger, assuming he is the perpetrator, 
could have committed previous crimes. The article said that similar investigations were conducted in neighboring Lehigh County. However, the Lehigh district attorney declined to be interviewed, so it's unclear if they found any cold cases that might match Koberger's timeline there and the M.O. of the Idaho crime. And I will tell you that I went through cold cases to see if I could see any connection, not that I'm an investigator or a detective. I didn't see any crimes that could possibly have occurred with Koberger, either due to the timeline. Mostly it was dates. You could kind of tell by dates and also the nature of the crime. By the way, it was when Koberger was attending the Northampton Community College that he frequented the Seven Sirens Brewery. Remember that brewery? That's the one where multiple people have said that Koberger made females both on the staff and female bargoers feel uncomfortable both with things he said to them and how he stared at them. The article then takes us back to Pullman, Washington, where Koberger lived across the hall from a guy named Christian Martinez. Martinez is the guy who told reporters that Koberger cornered him often in the hallway, and he did so right after the crime, and he asked him if he'd heard about it. Koberger said this to Martinez, they have no leads, and they think it's a crime of passion. Martinez is also the person Koberger's father spoke to, saying that his son has a hard time making friends, and he's a little bit shy. Martinez told Long Crime that he invited Brian to a pool party, and Koberger came. At the party, a young man named Zach Cartwright met Brian for the first time, and he said this of that meeting. I did notice him, and I noticed that he was kind of standing off the entire time. He wasn't very social, which I thought was kind of weird because it was a party and people were interacting. He was just kind of standoffish. He did seem kind of just socially awkward and kind of hard to carry a conversation with, if I remember correctly. But besides that, he mainly kept to the side and was really observant, so much so that based on that one small interaction, he knew exactly who I was maybe a month or so later when I saw him on that hike. When they crossed paths again, Cartwright said it was strange how quickly Koberger recognized him. Cartwright described Koberger approaching him and the people he was with and acting like they were the best of friends. He said it was like a reunion or something, and Koberger seemed really excited to see them, and Cartwright even didn't recognize Koberger at first. How awkward is that? The FBI spoke to Cartwright, and in fact, they spoke to a lot of the people who were at that pool party. Martinez, who's married, said that his wife always felt something was off with Koberger. He said she didn't have a good feeling about him because every time I would like to tell her I'm going to invite Brian because he didn't have any friends and I was trying to bring him out and maybe meet people, but she was always like, no, please don't. End quote. When the FBI interviewed Martinez, they asked him if he'd ever seen Koberger with a K-bar 
or a similar sharp object. The article didn't say if Martinez answered that question with a yes or no. Martinez said that Koberger often talked about the military and was very interested in his military service. Martinez also said that Koberger sent him a text on Thanksgiving saying, Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And Martinez is quoted as saying this about that. It kind of made me feel bad because I was like one of the people that he made friends with. Would it have made a difference if I had been able to meet up with him the times that I could have? Maybe that would have changed things. End quote. The crime in Moscow occurred just 11 days before Koberger sent Martinez that Thanksgiving text. How chilling is that? I don't think Martinez should feel bad about not inviting Koberger over for Thanksgiving in light of this timeline. By the way, both Martinez and Ferraro believe that the police have the right guy. They believe Koberger is the perpetrator, and I have to say that I do too. However, I know he's innocent until 12 jurors get together and say otherwise. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe to my channel, leave me a comment, and I'll see you next time.